Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason, one of the pastors here at Zion. I'm Kate Hoppel. I do kids ministry. I'm Derek Crawford. I'm the executive pastor and youth ministry. And I'm Megan Dennis, and I'm the executive director and missions. Yeah, now no one else sees this, but you've got this really big cheerleader face. <laughs> cheerleader face. Doing jazz hands the whole bit. Uh, so we are, we're in our, continuing our series, God's, God Is. And last week we talked about God is forgiveness. And specifically, we talked about the different types of sin. And again, if you haven't, if you, if you didn't check out last week's podcast, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Great conversation talking about the different roles or the different ways of looking at sin, uh, including other parts of why it's sometimes it's difficult to forgive uh, and that why we need the gospel to do that. This week, we actually came into a really, really difficult part of the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, in Sermon Read Through, we had a pretty lengthy discussion because there's a part of this that, quite frankly, uh, it can become problematic. And so this, this week is, and lead us not into temptation, Matthew 6.13. Now, typically, there's a second part to that, which is, and deliver us from the evil one or from evil. But we're only focusing on the leading us not into temptation. Um, when we look at this, and, and we, we were listening uh, from the sermon on Sunday, part of the challenge for us is that when we think about leading us not into temptation, the big question is, is who's actually leading us? And often we say Jesus, and what the Bible tells us is that the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. So we may say Jesus. In fact, often when we say Jesus, we're actually referring to the Holy Spirit within us. It's like when someone says you have Jesus in your heart. Well, no, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But we get that confused at times, right? Well, here it's the Holy Spirit that leads us. Here's the difficulty. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this struggle that exists within uh, God's people, this desire to do what is right, but struggling to do it. And the things that we don't want to do, we do continually. Um, as we talk as a group, one of the things I'd love to talk about first is, tell what's your experience with that? I mean, we all have those moments when we know the right thing to do, and it's just there's something pulling on us. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. What's that like for you? Kate, again, I love having you on here because you're new in faith, newer, been a Christian five years, so you're not a new Christian anymore. but that's for most of us. Like I've been a Christian 32 years now. And I think Megan came out of the womb Same. saying hallelujah. Yeah, because you're 32. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I think, Derek, you were raised in the church, right? Yep. Um, I'd love to hear your experiences. Like, what does that look like for you, knowing that there are things we're supposed to do, but there's this battle inside of us? What? Tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. I feel like I say that phrase from Romans 7, the why do I do the things I don't want to do, but don't do the things I do want to do, wretched sinner that I am. I say that daily. <laughs> like, well, I'll mess up or do something stupid that really doesn't even have to do with sinning. And I'm like, why, do I, why don't I do the things that I want to do? Like, this is the exact opposite of what I wanted to happen. Why didn't I do it right? Yeah. And I think I always kind of joke, too, that there's like, like magical Roomba that's going to just clean up my life. And that's what I thought Jesus was going to do. I was like, yeah, I want some of that. You guys look really happy. Can I do that? The, the Holy Spirit Roomba. Yeah, the Holy Spirit that Roomba. That gets stuck underneath the refrigerator of yeah. like sin. Yes. 
So that's kind of like my thought on it where it, it just. Yeah. So there's that. So there's that struggle within you that for you and, and you and I, I talked about this actually in the message is I remember thinking that once I got saved, it meant sin was going to get easier. Yeah. And I think the opposite is true. I think once I got saved, I realized things before that I thought were totally okay are not okay. Right. So now sin just seemed everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think for me, um, being in tune with the Holy Spirit or that realization that he's there is sin-related came in the form of understanding the difference between conviction and condemnation. Ooh, yeah, say more. Yeah. So when you're just going through life, if you feel shame, if you feel guilt, um, embarrassment, discouragement, like that is not of God. For the believer. Right. That's not the, that's not what God intended for you to feel in that moment. Um, but if, if it's God pointing something out, if it's the Holy Spirit working in me and saying, mm, maybe you check your attitude or, yeah. or something like that, like it's, it's done so much out of love and gentleness that I never feel embarrassed or guilt or shame. Yeah. It's a, oh, I should fix this in myself. And it's like motivating and encouraging. Yeah. So I think learning the difference in how the Holy Spirit talks to you. So in Romans 7, when Paul's reading that, instead of it pointing God wagging a finger at you and saying, why aren't you stopping? Yes. It's God saying, hey, I get this. This is the struggle. This is why you, have, this is why you need the gospel. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's not a shame-motivated thing. It is, but inside of us, I mean, how often, how quickly and easy it is to feel shame. Yes. Especially when we struggle with the same sins. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really good. How about you, Derek? So actually, I really like both Paul on this, and then Luther does it a lot too. It's just that a constant struggle of like, you know, why am I doing this? Why, you know, why are the, why is this the choice that I make? Even though I know it's, there's better choices. I know that if I do the, the a better thing that, you know, the outcome will be better, but we continue to, we just continue to do it almost like we, we don't have a choice in it. Like it's just a continual struggle and tension that we kind of have to, to live through and kind of have to deal with. And I think you see it throughout scripture where we're just constantly trying to push back against the temptations of this world. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to, to think that it's failure then if you, if, you know, you do fall victim to the temptation when it's, it's a constant struggle. It's going to be something that you continually have to do no matter what, no matter who you are. Uh, that's why I think it's so awesome reading about, you know, uh, when Paul does it, cause he, you can feel it when he talks about yeah. it, that constant, uh, struggling to i don't know i don't even know how to explain it but to to stay on track even though you're gonna fall away sometimes you're gonna you're yeah. gonna slip up you're gonna mess up because we all do well I, I think i love the thing with paul is you know it's so easy to think of paul as a super saint and here's paul talking about hey no even I, there's a struggle that's real within all of us luther's uh defined it as simultaneously sinner simultaneously saint and that we have this sinful nature but we also have now a divine nature because of the Holy Spirit and we're a new creation. Um, it's interesting that when we talk about that, this struggle of our nature is that also we have other things that are constantly pushing in on us. And I mean, I mean, think about some of the different voices. When I grew up, the most influential voices in my life were pop stars. <laughs> I was a big Michael Jackson fan, um, sports athletes, um, or sports athletes, sports ball people. Uh, <laughs> athletes, um, sports stars, Michael Jordan, right? I remember I was a big Michael Jordan fan, movie stars, uh, political figures, maybe religious figures. But now in today's culture, because of social media, we have influences coming from all over, and they're adding new voices that before 
I mean, we're in Clear Lake, Iowa, where I think are what our our population is. About 7,777, if you look at the Wikipedia. That's true. I just did the other Do day. We, are we a Holy Spirit city? We have like the 777. Yeah. And we inflate no. in the summer to about 30 to 35,000. As long as it's not 66,666. For 4th no. of July, we were over 60,000 people. But not 666,000. You don't know that. You can't count that. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, but I mean, think about that, how many voices are not pulling on us. And it used to be, and in, our, in a city like this or town like this, to be a person of influence mean maybe half the city knew who you were. Now you have you have eight-year-olds that are unboxing things on YouTube and get 15 billion views and make $9 million a year. And they're literally called influencers. Yes. Michael Jordan was never called that really. But now you look at the YouTube stars of today and that's what they're known as. I'm a YouTube influencer. Yeah. And that influencing is leading. There's things that are leading us in it. Sometimes the way the Bible describes someone who leads you when you don't want to be led as a master, and that slave, you know, we're slaves to sin. But think about what are some of the other voices that you guys, when you picture the voices in our culture today that are pulling at Christians, what are your thoughts? I just asked a really deep and profound question. Well, like, I, I only think of, like, positive ones. Like, I, I think of... Um... Jackie Hill Perry and like John Acuff and Bob Goff, like yeah. that's who I, or like Stephen Furtick, like those big names that are out there, they're doing really wonderful um, ministries, they're online, they're easily accessible, they're really encouraging, and they're like, they're human, they talk yeah. about their own struggles, and I think that's what Paul did really well, where it's like, it kind of, you know, where he yeah. talks about like I, I struggle too, and I—that's who I see as an influencer in my life right now. I don't well, I, really. What I like to point out though is almost every podcast we talk about Bob Goff. So I this know is... this is my other shout out to Bob Goff out there in the <laughs> interwebs. So if, if I Bob still Goff ever hears this at any point, we'd love to have you on our podcast or to come to our church. So anybody listens, if you know Bob Goff, please make a connection. Did you know he's an Enneagram Seven? <laughs> yes, I did. <sighs> he's so cool. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram Seven. And so I relate to Bob Goff. There's a funny story about Bob Goff. Totally rabbit trailing right now, but it's okay. So Bob Goff, he has this retreat center. And I was listening to an interview with him. And how he would get his guests to the retreat center is he'd stick them on the back of an inflatable tube on his boat. And they'd have to hang on. And these are people coming right off of a car, dressed in like full, <laughs> and like, hey, hop on the tube. And then he pulls them across the lake to get to the retreat center. I'm like, he's my hero. that's my dude. That's my jam. Um. So, okay, so that's the positive. Yeah. Like, that's the positive side of it. I try to avoid negative influencers. Yeah. Like, when I think of Instagram or YouTubers, I really try to stay away from those. I don't let them speak into my yeah. life. But they're know. there. But they're there, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's sometimes it's subtle ones or ones that you don't understand. Like, you know, I, I think there's there was a thing that went around a few years ago about, like, kids' television shows where they mm. always make the adults seem like they're dumb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... You can go back to dads. You can even go back to like Peanuts characters where it's like wah 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 wah. Like you know the same thing with kids. Like the kids are the dumb ones, or the the parents are the dumb ones, and the kids are so smart and sly, and it's so cool that they outsmart their parents. You know, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And that's subconscious. That's uh, that's an impression that happens to kids. Mm -hmm. You can see it in uh, television shows, movies. Like there's just things that it sets what culture deems okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you can hear it in music. Of whether it gets overly profane or if it gets uh, overly sexualized, whatever it might be, that starts to set the norm. That starts to tell you this is okay when a lot of times it seems to go against scripture. It seems to push against what the Bible's telling you. 
And so that's when you then have to either be accepted by the world or you have to try to live under that and uh, not always meet up to it or then you get out outcasted or shunned by the, the general populace. And then if you don't do that, then I think is what Megan was talking about earlier is if you fail to live up to the godly standard, then you feel shame. Then you yeah. feel that you're not fitting in either world because I'm not living yeah. up to the to the godly one, but I tried to break away from the earthly one and yeah. I failed. So now mm-hmm. it's shame. And I don't think that's what the message is trying to say at all, but I think that's the easiest interpretation of how it feels when you're wrestling with that tension and it doesn't yeah. go the way you want. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing. And there is that temptation to, I mean, a lot of people are people. For years, I denied that I was a people pleaser. And the more I started doing my own work through the Enneagram and other things i realized i'm a big people pleaser and one of the biggest temptations that comes in and i think this is part of the social influence is if you you have influencers that are really shaping a culture and you go against that you you lose the risk of people liking you and and that is people pleasing is a sin at times it can get in that in the way of speaking truth but i mean we we've talked about now derek as a youth pastor when i grew up i didn't have well, I mean, first of all, I didn't have a computer until I was 25, but I certainly didn't. I, really? Yeah, I didn't have it. My first computer was a gateway. I bought it myself. I spent $1,500 and it had 15 gigs, gigabyte. And I was like, and I could have spent an additional thousand and gotten like five more gigs. Did it come with a CD case that had the cow print on it? It did. It also was Windows ME Millennial, which uh, Millennium or whatever it was, which was atrocious. But I didn't. <laughs> Like, I didn't have access. They're just all looking at me. No, like I had alien. Windows 94 was my first computer. My dad built it in our living room. It was really yeah. cool. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind being sponsored by Microsoft, so I love your products. Don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like Windows, too. But, like, I didn't, I didn't have access to that. Like, I, I didn't – I couldn't just go onto a phone or onto a computer and have an entire just trove. And I don't want to say treasure because sometimes it's not very – it's not worth very much. but. I didn't have access to those things. And my kids, like, here's the, okay. Am I the only person who's worried about this? My kids like to watch kids play video games. So does mine. Well, mine watches kids playing with other toys. That's weird. My husband likes to watch people (laughs) play video games. That's not that weird. No, but I mean, like, someone's like, well, no, it's like watching sports. And I'm like, no, I'm watching, I want to play a video game if I'm going to do it. When I was a kid, if I had a friend come over and they were like, hey, can I just come over and watch you play video games? I'm like, that'd be weird. You know what? John John described it as I don't have the time to sit and like learn this game and actually play it, but I want it, I want to see the gameplay and I want to see the story because I like this game. So I'll watch them play it. Yeah, I don't get it. That's yeah. a, but my, my point is this is that the opportunity for negative influence, I mean, there's positive too. I mean, that's the good side. It used to be. Billy Graham at one point was considered to be one of the most influential people in the world who would reach more people for the gospel than anybody else. Well, now because of things like YouTube and, and Instagram, Stephen Furtick over at Elevation, I mean, his audience, he's, he's reaching far more people than probably Billy Graham ever did, at least in a very single opportunity. But just like there's an opportunity for the gift, there's also an opportunity for the danger, which is there are some voices that aren't worth listening to. When we think about that, how, how do you, and uh, Kate, you just talked about this a little bit, how do you discern when you're being led by the wrong thing? Like, when do you know that's not a voice I want to listen to or something that's, that's not going to lead me where Jesus wants me? I think that's something that because of my short time of being a Christian, that is to my benefit. 
that other life and the things that I gave up or turned away from is so fresh to me. It's so easy for me to be like, yep, nope, I know exactly that that's going to lead me into something that I don't oh, want to yeah. do or what I want to think because I saw where it put me and where, where it led me. So it's, a, it's, really, it's really close to me. That helps me discern what I want to be spoken into my life. It's very easy for me to hear hate speech and music now or be like, I, I try to avoid quote unquote secular things because Christian things are so new. That's an easier one to gravitate gravitate towards. Yeah. How about you guys? How do you how do you discern when something's not worth or when it's not going leading you in a direction you want? I always just kind of view it as would I tell my grandma about it? No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's a joke. But I mean, there is, there's a little bit of that's uh, not a joke. <laughs> that is that's not a joke in my life. But uh, no, but there there's a little bit about, about that. However, I think it's hard in the moment sometimes to realize if this is happening. So for me, a lot of, uh, I don't know if this is a new term for everyone, but a lot of the spiritual formation, when I, when I have a heart change, when, when it felt like God convicts me of something, sometimes I have to utilize, utilize those feelings and moments to make major changes in my life yeah. because I can't, in the moment, I don't see it or I don't uh, understand that it's harmful or I don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes in the moment, I would say it's almost blinding where I don't see it, where yeah. I don't realize that I'm doing it until the point where it's like, yeah, you need to make a major change. And a lot of times I use those times that God convicts me in a message or it could be when I was in seminary or whatever it might be, or talking with a student where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to make some changes or I need to, yeah. I need to do something different. It's almost like um, the frog in the kettle illustration. Sometimes you don't realize that you're boiling alive because you're so in, in close to it. And for you, like, for example, once you realized that you were in the, the kettle cake, it became way much easier to go, oh, my gosh, I'm burning alive. So you jumped out and you were aware. But when you're around it all the time and you don't have that comparison, next thing you know, you're fully entrenched and didn't realize you've been discipled, but not by Jesus. Yeah, and I think some of the, the I think it goes along similar to what Kate said, but I think it's a little bit different viewpoint as it. As I get older, I do, it's easier to look back on my life and see the areas where I didn't lean on God. It's like, man, those were harder times. And so I think sometimes history can help too, where it's like, remember when you did kind of, you followed God more and see how, and not not necessarily life's going to be easier because I don't want, I don't want to push that message because that's not necessarily how it works. But I know that my, I always felt like I was not alone in it. I know that God had my back in it. And I think when I turn from him, though, that's where I'm making the decision to, like, I'm going to do this on my own. And it might be, you know, temporary gratification or it might be something fun in the, in the moment. But, you know, long term, looking back on life, I see that my overall quality of life and happiness seems to be tied when I turn closer and closer to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, similar with Derek. And piggybacking off of a question you asked way earlier, for me, it's easy to get caught up in Netflix world. Um, and yeah. not even intentionally, I don't like intentionally seek out the bad stuff, but it's easy to watch a documentary or, um, don't know if you've watched it. The circle like was intriguing. And I was watching it one day and didn't really think a whole lot of it. And my husband came, he's like, what are you watching? <laughs> and it was just that realization moment of like, 
I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm watching this. Like, it's not wholesome. It's not education. Like, it's literally junk. Yeah. Um, I call that trash TV. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this. And sometimes, and, and let's be careful, I don't think it's always bad to watch that as long as no. the content isn't bad. Well, that, it's questionable. I've never and seen And that's the why, show. like, I think... But you kind of just kind of become immune or numb to it, especially yeah. when it starts out like, oh, it's not so bad. Like, oh, there's occasional bad word. Like, oh, okay, they're kind of talking about some weird stuff. I'm, I'm going to ignore that. Not that big of a deal. And then a new person comes in with fresh eyes or ears, and they're like, wait, what? You're like, oh, wow, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be watching this. I don't know. Yeah. And it's hard, too, when you start to feel like, well, I know better. I know the difference. Yeah, I, I know. This I, doesn't I actually don't talk influence like that. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think sometimes, and, and I think this is, Part of part of the struggle in modern evangelical Christian culture is that I think as newer generations or my generation is taking over the church, as millennials are now coming into the workforce, and now we have Gen Z. Is that what they are now? Yeah. Yet? Yeah. Um, I know for me as a Gen Xer, there was this rail against kind of the traditional mom and pop approach of church, the mega church, um, all those things, and so we we kind of Anything that felt like it was forced or religious, my generation kind of went, I don't want anything to do with that. And so what it did is it opened up and it, it allowed for kind of a, a looseness for the church, for Christians in my generation to kind of go, well, okay, they took that holiness way too far. They took that holiness thing way too far, and I have freedom. And, and I think there's a balance in there because we don't want to fall into legalism. But I can tell you in my own life, there have been times where I've allowed things to influence me. And I didn't even realize they were influencing until I started noticing my attitude change. And you know, Paul describes this, everything is, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Mm-hmm. Like I have complete freedom to watch all those things, to do those things, but does it really benefit me? Mm-hmm. Um, is it really going to help me be who I'm called to be? Uh, when we talk about this idea of temptation, and we actually got into a really big conversation about this in the sermon read through, is there's, there's actually some, debate even among the church about this phrase, um, lead us not into temptation. Because in James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, and we, we again talked about this on Sunday, James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. And Earlier in James, it talks about this struggle with trials and that we should consider it pure joy when we face all kinds of trial. In Greek, the same word for trial in Greek is the same word for temptation. And the issue becomes is that temptation, what makes a temptation different than a trial, is more about what it does in and to you. It's not the circumstance. It's more about how it affects you. And so the illustration I used on Sunday was the pop quiz. And we had a big conversation about this because, wait a second, we just said God doesn't tempt us, but it makes it sound like that God puts us in situations that could be tempting. Um, let's, let's, I want to open that can of worms because we really had a good conversation. So if you weren't here on Sunday or if you're listening afterwards, the illustration I gave was this. When I was in high school, I didn't take school very seriously. I had my own struggles in high school, and I rarely studied. I didn't really care about high school or about school. And Uh, teachers would often give pop quizzes. Now, here's the thing. Because I didn't study, because I didn't pay attention in class, because I didn't take class seriously, every time the pop quiz came up, I just saw it as the teacher wanting me to fail. Yeah, anytime you say pop quiz, I start sweating. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Whereas those people who paid attention in class who were actually studying, and, and one of the things we talked about is that, you know, a teacher rarely gives a pop quiz at the beginning of school. They usually do it a little bit later because it's an opportunity to show, to see how the student is progressing. Derek's chance to shine. Derek's <laughs> chance to shine. And as we were talking about it, here's the difficulty. The Bible says God does not tempt us, but it does say that he puts us in tests. Well, those tests can become temptations. Well, which is it? Is it that God doesn't test, tempt us or is it that God tests us and sometimes we are tempted because of those testings? All right, Derek. So he, you opened up a can uh, during the sermon read-through. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. What was your pushback? Do you... <laughs> Yeah, so I told him I thought he should throw the illustration out. Just throw, <laughs> I just throw it out the window because I thought it, to me, it goes, it pushes up against the uh, James one thirteen verse because it straight up says, God, we shouldn't say that God is tempting me, that uh, for God can't be tempted and he does not tempt anyone. And so to me, it felt like if we call it a pop quiz, that the teacher is the one setting the pop quiz, that that's just a semantic change. It's just changing a term where it's like, oh, well, it's not a temptation. It's a trial. Like, and if that's all we're doing, then what's the point of this illustration? What is it teaching <laughs> us? Because to me, it was, it's just pushing against the same, it's, it's the same concept. It's just shifting the blame a little bit to make Jesus seem nicer or make, you know, the, the God yep. message, the message in James makes it feel accurate. And I don't, I don't think that's what it's doing. I just, I just, to me, it wasn't, I don't, I don't know if the illustration was the best way to explain this because, and the way I kind of got to it, or eventually I got to it, is this idea that when a teacher does a pop quiz, they're not doing it in order for the person to fail. I don't think any teacher goes into it and is like, I'm going to get these kids today. I mean, they might. I'm not sure. I'm teachers, sure there are bad I'm teachers sure out there that want to do that. that like that. But, I'm going to show little Johnny that he's a failure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but I don't think that's the general census of it. And that the, but there are when you're in school, there's expectations that there's going to be tests, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that you have to overcome as a student. And it's the teacher's job to make sure that you are prepared for that. And I think, I think that's what scripture does for us. I think that's what the church does for us. It prepares us for life's trials. I think, uh, you know, as a follower of Christ, if we truly are following him to the point where we are, you know, living it out, I think we should be able to, to do the quiz fine. We should be able to, you know, be able to overcome the challenges of life. Now, does that mean we're going to do it perfectly? No. Does that mean that uh, it's still a great illustration? I think it's okay, but uh... <laughs> well, okay. So, so here's here's kind of where I was, and I want I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, anybody else who wants to share on it, but um, what do we do with Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted? And we see throughout Scripture there are examples where God actually sends people into trial, and and there's a shift from the sermon read through to what I did on Sunday, which is. God actually doesn't just give us a blind quiz. He gives us an open book quiz, assuming that you're reading the book and will know where to go for answers. And here was, and this is why I use myself as the example of this, of how not to do it, because I didn't study, because I didn't pay attention in class. I blamed the teacher for my failure when who was the person at fault? Me. It wasn't the teacher's fault that I wasn't prepared. The teacher did everything possible. And, and so here we have God who says that we're going to be put through tests and that sometimes God sends tests. But those tests are trials for the person who follows Jesus seriously. They're temptations for the person who isn't following and who, 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 or isn't allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in their life. And I think that's where, for me, the big difference is, is a teacher assumes 
that their students want to learn. And I think Jesus assumes that if anybody says they're a follower, that they want to become more like Jesus. Which, well, how do we know that you're becoming more like Jesus? Through tests. That's the first example that I, I mean, one of the ways I knew that I was growing as a husband was the first test, right? <laughs> the first time my wife sent me to do something and I was like, okay, man, I was growing as a husband. Mm-hmm. You look like you want to say yeah, something. Well, I have a personal Oh, yeah, do it. Bring it. Story. So my husband and I have been struggling with infertility for two and a half years now. And I, I just think it's ironic up Earlier in James, it's talking about um, that when you are under these temptations and trials, consider it joy. And that's hard to do when you're in that moment of, yeah. of, of feeling tempted. For me personally, if I'm leaning towards a temptation or maybe it is a trial to go towards doubt. Yeah. And like a few sentences later, it addressed like, yep. and don't doubt. And, and so it really is. It's that open book concept of. Literally all of the things that I'm feeling, God has put this in my life or allowed it to happen in my life. And maybe he's testing me through it. And maybe he's just refining me. I don't know. But how ironic that he literally says, oh, you're probably going to ask for these things. Do it and ask, but don't doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's immediately my first reaction. So Especially when it doesn't go the way we think it should. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm asking. Oh, but you said don't doubt. And yep, I, you you caught me. I was doubting. <laughs> so can can I ask a? Yeah. I mean, you've opened up a personal. Yeah. Okay. So what's the temptation in those? Because I mean, there's the trial, which is God. I'm trusting you. Yep. And and I'm guessing that there are people who are listening to this who maybe are struggling through infertility, and and that's first of all, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I love that you're willing to go there and open that up for people to hear. Yeah. What's think, it look like? The temptation. I think the temptation for me is to doubt or not trust God that he is going to deliver Mm. on a promise or to I'm tempted to look into other forms of getting pregnant that maybe God doesn't want that for me but it's easy to go down that and think oh maybe it's this why would I think that so in your mind just gets spinning on all the different or even failures like maybe it's because of this that it's not happening um who knows so it's instead of Placing my focus and my trust in God, I'm tempted to put it anywhere else. That's and and so that's the part because you have this relationship with Jesus, and I think this is what. And here's why I say I think because scholars don't really know what Jesus meant when he said, "Lead us not into temptation." Mm-hmm. Um, I've read multiple different scholars, and each one had a little bit different take on it. And Jesus can do that. Sometimes I think he purposely does that to make us wrestle through it. But one of the things they talked about is that if you're following Jesus, you're actually saying, Jesus. I trust you as my teacher that you won't lead me into some place that will cause me that will cause temptation but will cause me to persevere. Right. And so you know me, but the problem becomes when we don't actually when we're not following Jesus, then we're moved into something. So like if you're you're exploring other things and you're just like Jesus do your own thing and then when something bad happens, you can't blame Jesus right. at that. Um I know I've, I felt that in my own life. Um, you look like you wanted to say something. Yeah, but, yeah, I think it's an important distinction to make that. Like, I think I, I love that you point out that trial and temptation are interchangeable. They're the same words, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that you are tempted is not a sin. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you are through trials and you are tempted, but that's not sinning. Jesus was tempted. That's right. 
it's giving into the temptation where it leads us into right. the sin and asking for the Holy Spirit. Do not let me get into a temptation that I will act on. Yeah. Like help me, help guide me away from that. And I, I think that that's the important distinction because there's so much shame, especially for me when I was a new Christian of like, why am I doing the things that I don't want to do? Yeah. Why am I tempted all the time? I thought, I sh- am I not good enough? Am I not yeah. checking enough boxes here? How many services do I have to go to? Zion couldn't get rid of me. Literally, I'm a <laughs> staff member here. Am I not good enough to be tempted? And, it, and it, it's an important distinction to say that temptation, it's natural and normal. It's going to happen. It happened to Paul. It happens to all of us. It's the tr- open book test of relying on God, the Holy Spirit. To keep you from acting on Which it. is why we're supposed to consider it joy. Yeah. Yes. And and if you're not reading the book, then don't be surprised when you can't find the answers. And yes. now let's let's be clear. Okay, we don't want to over Christianize this stuff. The Bible doesn't have answers for everything. There are some situations that come up that we have to look at the wisdom of Scripture, and that's where it's important to know our Bibles, but also have the Holy Spirit and have a good community. Yes. Um, and so sometimes we'll come to a question and we're like, the Bible's the Bible has absolutely nothing to say about American civil liberties, has nothing about gun ownership. The Bible has nothing to say about that. The Bible has, I mean, most of the things that we argue about in our culture, the Bible wasn't even thinking in that frame because that didn't exist. The culture didn't exist that looks like ours. But that doesn't mean that there's not wisdom through Scripture to help us navigate those waters. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's what, if I'm hearing you correct, Kate, is that the open book test doesn't mean God's going to say, Oh, Megan, here's what you need to do if you need to have do infertility. IVF didn't exist, mm-hmm. right? But you can go to and say, okay, wait, we see tons of people in the Old Testament who dealt with infertility. Mm-hmm. And in, in the ancient world, how they viewed infertility is way different. They didn't know the science behind it. Um, every single one of those we can still learn from, but we have to mine it out. And we have to mine it with the Holy Spirit, but also with a healthy community, because sometimes we can get into some really funky waters if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, even that idea of God may lead us into a trial, but that's different than choosing temptation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll just, my own personal journey, um, I've struggled with weight my entire adult life. When I was younger, didn't struggle at all. I was that kid who'd eat a giant, mixing bowl of cereal and then I go play basketball for eight hours a day, which is also why my grades weren't great. Because <laughs> I was playing basketball after school. But was your game great? I actually I was a pretty I was a pretty decent basketball player and volleyball player. But then I started working full time, but I was still eating the giant bowls of cereal and my body did not keep up with the food intake. Well, when I go through seasons of stress, instead of trusting in the Lord, I tend to trust in food. Or I try to I try to escape to just watching television because for me, my wife and I've had this conversation. As an Enneagram Seven, my mind is always going, and one of the ways that I shut down so that I don't have to think because my mind. I mean, when I say it's always going, it's always thinking, processing. The way that it doesn't is when I'm watching something, and I numb out. And so COVID is a perfect example of this. When we started hitting the stress of COVID along some other things that were going on in my life, I let my weight go. And I started eating really unhealthy and I stopped going to the gym, part of stress and anxiety and other things. And about three months ago, I looked in the mirror and I don't know if you ever had that moment where you look and you're like, I'm not happy right now with how I feel. So I started making decisions. I don't blame God. I can't blame God for how I got there. God didn't lead me to that bag of Doritos (laughs) or that (laughs) giant bowl of Fruity Pebbles. 
But part of my repentance was then taking action steps. Sometimes we have individuals who they put themselves in a bad situation and then they're like, oh, God, get me out of this. Or uh, leave me not into temptation after they've already put themselves in the bad situation. And then they're upset when, why does God allow it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or blame the devil when yeah. it's like, you've made some very poor choices in your life, <laughs> but said, yeah. it's, but you're going to say it's spiritual warfare. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, honey, that's not Satan. Or that even was sin. pray the prayer, God, do your will in my life. And then all of a sudden stuff happens and you're like, God, this isn't what I meant. I didn't mean this well. Yeah, I mean, I like, don't pray for patience. Yeah. Uh, don't break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah. Or humility. Yeah, I don't want it. My or, heart is broken right now. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that's this? That's why James says, listen, it's not the devil who made you sin. It's your own flesh. Like, yes. Satan doesn't need our help. We don't need Satan's help to, to sin. We're perfectly You're good at You're answering the temptation that he yeah. provides. I think that's a hard thing to, to overcome, too, is like, I want God to put me through trial. Like, I want my faith to be strengthened. I want to, to know that, you know, like, I want the hard stuff, too. But then once it gets here, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's harder than to want to overcome it. And that's why I love the, even the phrasing of it. Uh, and, like, not, don't lead us into temptation. Like, it, it almost gives that impression that the temptation's there. It's going to happen. But, like, help steer me away from it because I, I, I'm naturally drawn to it. I naturally want to go towards it. Just help steer me from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and some of those trials, some of my best best moments in life feel like was when God helped me overcome the trials. Like, yeah. I don't know. How you respond to like it. Like how I respond to it. Yeah. Did I respond through temptation or did, did I respond by leaning more on him or completely on him? So, And through those trials, you're forced to, not forced, we usually choose to lean on God. But without God's presence, man, it's very difficult. Yeah, I totally think of like my struggles as a single mom and I've heard people say like well, how not did anymore. you not anymore? <laughs> yeah, as of May 22nd, 2021. But people would say things like I don't know how you do it all and it's like I used to think, well what's the alternative? Let something fall, not do it, not yeah. take care of my son, not have my job, not go to school, not do these things. And it's like what's the alternative? It's like how do you how do you lean on God? And it's like, well what's the alternative? to turn away from him. I don't want to choose that. Yeah. Even though I, I do, my natural part of me wants to turn away. It's really hard. It's that yeah. conflict. Well, and there's, I think, the struggle that we all have is that you only grow through stress. I mean, that's I, going to the gym. If you, want to, if you want to get healthy, you have to put your body through stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the law of entropy, right? Entropy basically says everything's leading towards chaos and falling apart. So if I do nothing, my natural state is to gain weight, to lose muscle, to keep muscle, to gain muscle, uh, to get healthy takes work. And in order to grow in maturity in Christ, there has to be a stress on the body, which is why God puts us through tests. But the key is we want to make sure that God puts us through the right tests, and that's where we're leading on him. And I truly believe this, that if we're following Jesus, he will prepare us for the tests he knows he wants us to take, just like a good teacher does. And, and if you're tempted, it's either one, because you, you took your eyes off Jesus and weren't actually following him to the temptation you're in, or it's an area of growth where God is revealing something in you. And so I think we pray that in saying, God, whenever, whenever you feel like I'm ready, I'm going to trust you. If I'm, if I'm truly following you, if I come to something, I'm trusting that you're allowing it because you think I can handle it, which goes to the verse that people usually misquote, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's mm-hmm. actually not biblical. 
It says that there is no temptation that God will send you that he doesn't give you an out for. And so the idea is that, no, if, if there's a temptation given to you, God has provided a way and a means for you to get out of that temptation through the Spirit and through his word and through community. But it doesn't mean that God's not going to put you in situations you can't handle. There are all kinds of things I can't handle. Um, in fact, I would say that's the most important ones is God regularly puts me through things that if I could do it on my own, I wouldn't need God. Mm-hmm. So uh, lastly, and, and then we kind of talked about these kind of the, the three steps to handling temptation. Um, the first one is an old principle that I learned years ago from one of my youth pastors, garbage in, garbage out. and that. Uh, whatever we fill our minds with will eventually make its way out. Uh, the second one is work. The problem is realizing that if we want to get better, we're, we are holistic beings. We are a body. We are a mind. We are meant for relationship, and we have a spirit. And if we don't take care of any one of those things, it becomes it's like a four-legged chair. If one gets off balance, everything loses its balance. And then the third one was choose new daily choices. Do things that are actually going to create habits so that the Holy Spirit has space to work and speak into your life so that you can be led. When you read those three, were there ones that stood out more for you that you're like, oh, this is one for me that really stuck out or that, that you see yourself working on or is a highlight for you? I think it, it, it's really important to point out that all three of those are things that I have to do to answer the call of the Holy Spirit, yeah. to listen. It takes action. Yeah. It's, not, it's not something just comes in and makes it better. I still need to act. Just as much as I need to act on the temptation to sin, I need to act away. It's still an action. Yeah. yeah. So there's that, when Jesus says, pick up your cross, that's the choice you have to make. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pick it up. That's a decision. And if you choose not to, then you're not choosing to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I think going around the office, I can start to see where Megan watching the circle is starting to come out and how she speaks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a show about like catfishing and like, yeah. it's funny, but. I don't even it's know what the show great. I know I've seen it. I know nothing about it. We are I'm not, not endorsing it. it. No. <laughs> I watch wholesome shows like DuckTales. Well, that is a real Duck thing tales. is that, you know, if, you, if you're watching stuff, like, you can say with like violence, let's say, like the more violence I see, I can see where I become more okay with violence yeah or if the more or good example is i worked in a factory for five years when i was an engineer and the what did you factor winnebago's winnebago's yeah is Uh, that the word what did you factorize what i don't know what did you make (laughs) anyway during in that context uh the factory setting cursing was a very normalized uh, way of speaking and then when i kind of started helping out of the youth program the kids had a swear jar for me because I, it was hard to not let it just come out of your normal, like your normal speech. And so that's just one example of where like, I don't, I didn't curse leading up to going to working in a factory, but then it just started to become part of a natural pattern of, of, of speaking that it started to then come off onto the kids. And so I have broke my habit of that. <laughs> so the garbage in garbage out was, I the think one. that, yeah. So I think that would be, that would be one for sure. When I was mocking her and her television watching. So garbage in, garbage out. We would call it, what do you call it, trash TV? Yeah, I call it trash TV. Sometimes yeah. I just need to sit with a good book or watch some trash TV and shut yeah. off, yeah. like, unwind. So were there, how about, were there other ones that, or did that stand out for the rest of you? What was, was there one that really, you're like, man, this is, this is one I need to work on or I I've love working the problem and, like, trying to figure it out. Because I'm an Enneagram, too, and for those that you don't know, I... 
um, in the heart triad, which means that I have a lot of feelings and I like to talk about those feelings. I also love and take a lot of classes on psychology and counseling and guidance. Um, so working things out that way is my favorite thing. So finding out where in my mind or where is my feelings getting in the way? Mm. Where, where in my spiritual self or my relationship? It's, What's out I, of balance? Yeah, like if I have a headache, I'm going to be shorter with Derek than I usually am and trying to figure out, you know, where is that coming from? I love problem solving too. So that one, I think that's really good. Trying to figure out what's out of balance. Where am mm. I not in that original design that God had for me? Yeah. So that, so for you, it's paying attention to what's out of balance in your life. Yeah. Because maybe you're better at the garbage in and garbage out, but maybe you tend to let one of those areas slip a oh, little bit. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine would definitely be choose new daily choices. Just that constant reminder of like, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Well, I made other choices to not, yeah. basically. And coming back to what, what did I prioritize in my day? And if it wasn't worthwhile, putting plans in action to correct that, I yeah. guess. I get up at five every day to work out, to read. And if I don't do that or if I sleep in or something else happens, it's like my whole day is off. Yeah. So putting into practice the things that I want to do, but daily choosing to do them. So I've been, I've been reading a book um, by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and I, it's like the 21-day brain detox or something like that. Uh, Christian, I believe she's a neurobi- neurobiologist, uh, neuroscience person, studies the brain. And she talks about how God has designed the brain and the mind to be separate things. The brain is the physical material. The mind is the conscious. It's the spirit. It's the part that controls us. And our mind is actually what controls our brain. And our brain controls our body. So we can renew our mind. And as I've been reading this, I I started, I made a choice about three months ago. I'm like, man, I've really allowed some bad patterns in my life, daily habits. And one of them was I enjoy, I actually do enjoy working out, but I started, I moved my workouts tonight. What was happening is every time I'd go to work out, I'd find an excuse not to go because I was tired. It was a long day. I had a meeting. I get done with my meeting. It's nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, I just don't want to go. Before that, I used to work out in the mornings and it was crazy. It became a cascading effect. I moved my workout to the morning three months ago. Now my body gets up at 530 almost every day. I go work out. I work out three to five days a week and then it sets the tone for the rest of my day. But now I'm sleeping earlier. So those bad habits that were happening in the middle of the night aren't taking place. But then I also found this app and here's the other part where technology is helping me anyways. It's an app called Momentum. And basically I can put a track, I can put a habit that I want in there and I can just track each day. And it, it triggers that little dopamine inside my brain every time I do something well. <laughs> it's, it's like, yay, I like that. And now. Almost every day, I look forward to checking off the habits that I'm doing. And I'm finding that for me, that choose new daily choices, it's now I'm purposely creating space in my life and in my thoughts to pay more attention to God. And which some of that is through sleep, because when you don't sleep well, that affects other things. Um, So that was a big one for me. Um, I want to end with this. We must choose to submit our whole self every day to God in order to resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Um, it's, we cannot resist the devil first. We must submit to God first. That's why the order is there. And I know in my life, in those moments where I've struggled with temptation or when I've given in, 
It's because I'm not submitting to God first. I'm submitting to something else. And then when Satan messes with me, I don't have the strength or the energy or even the foresight to see that it's Satan who's messing with me. Yeah, and for me, like when I hear that, it's the area that I choose not to give over to God is I feel like the area that gets attacked. Like, yeah. oh yeah, if, if I if I don't if I'm not willing to submit everything, my whole self, then the area that I keep selfishly, or I you know I you know put it in an area that I wanted to, that feels like then is, leaves open the door to be you know attacked, or it seems to be the area that lets me down. So. Yeah. I agree with that. Even with like doubt, if you're not willing, I'm not willing sometimes to give things over to God. Like, no, I've got this part, God, but all this other mess over here, can you like take care of that? And it's it's not until I learn to let go of all of it to fully submit that I start seeing things fall into place. Like that holistic idea of all of this is connected. And God in his infinite wisdom knows that. And it's like, yes, submit your whole self to me and you'll be able to resist. There's, um, I think there's a good challenge for us as a community moving forward is thinking through is temptation is going to be part of our journey, but we actually can have victory in it, not through our strength, not through our mind, but through the Holy Spirit, through God's word and through community. Um, for those of you who've been following the podcast, one of our big missions is community and mission. It's kind of our vision for the year. And I think it's important to remind us that he says, lead us not into temptation, not just leave me. We need each other. And so uh, with that being said, hey, thank you so much for listening to The Breakthrough Breakdown. Do me a favor, and really, this actually does help us out a lot. If you enjoyed this, share it with a friend, but we'd also love to hear your comments. And sometimes people will comment on Facebook like, hey, thanks for that. No, leave it on the podcast or whatever it is. Leave it there. Um, Rate it, share it with friends. Uh, appreciate you guys checking in, listening, and uh, so appreciate all the things. Now, one of the things that I want to give everybody a heads up on, uh, very soon we're going to be doing a Q&A podcast where people get to submit their questions from the sermon series. And so if there are questions that you're starting to think through that you'd love for this group to kind of process and talk about or share their thoughts on, please do that. Thank you again. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Zion. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, Apple. I'm still Derek. And I'm still Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Have an amazing day, and we hope to see you next Sunday at Zion at the Park. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.